Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English, and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Hi, everyone. I'm Mitch Goldich, and welcome back to another episode of the MMQB's Week in Review podcast. We are back playing at full strength this week. We've got the whole gang, Connor Orr, Jenny Varentis, and back gracing us with his presence this week, it's Albert Breer. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Yeah, sorry about last week, Mitch. Oh, it's fine. We appreciated the text uh, 30 seconds after we were supposed to start letting <laughs> us know that you wouldn't be on the podcast. And we got through it. We uh, we made fun of you the entire time. We but, did. But it, I got to go check that out then. I, gotta, I, I shouldn't have said anything. Uh, Connor, Jenny, how are you guys doing? Great. I'm doing great, Mitch. How are you? Yeah, Connor, we know you're doing great because we are tracking your every move on Strava. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for those who tuned in last week, the big development was we're now all friends on the Strava app, and now we can see how fast Connor is. Connor, totally downplaying it, acting like, oh, he's starting to get back into running. He's talking about all these shoes on Twitter. We look at his times. The, this man has blazing speed. He's, like, crushing everybody at the combine. Uh, too fa- I'm like, I have to unfollow you. I can't have you seeing my embarrassing running times, Connor. First First of all, I uh, if I'm observing the Strava correctly, Mitch, you're running a far more difficult uh, kind of course than I am. If you look at my elevations, I don't know if there's, you know, there's a lot of factors at play here. Um, and so fast is never a word that has been synonymous with me. Um, so I don't know. I, I reject your hypothesis, he's I guess still, is what I'm saying. He's still downplaying it. He, Jenny, you've seen it. He's fast. Uh, he's very fast. The times are very good. <laughs> I will give Mitch some credit. Connor's right. I know where Mitch runs because we have the same backyard, essentially, <laughs> Central Park, and it's very hilly. So yes. it's it adds a, a serious level of difficulty to the runs, Mitch. So I think you should factor that in. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I appreciate hearing that, but I still think Connor's downplaying his speed. God, this is the first time anybody has ever said that, ever. <laughs> can you can you play this for my dad and my high school football coach? Well, Connor was notoriously, you know, caught on film um, after one of the Jets games, and they were chasing after uh, for comment uh, one of the coaches, and I think you got called slow-footed on SNY, Connor. Or was that was that you that got called slow-footed? 
No, Brian Costello of The Post was called slow-footed. But what Brian likes to remind me of every time I... Sometimes I'll just text him the word slow-footed. But uh, in the video footage, Brian does kind of edge me out and does get to um, the coach first who was, uh, God rest his soul, Tony Sperano, um, former Jets offensive coordinator. But yeah, we were chasing him down after a game for a comment. Yeah, but Brian Costello, sneak... Talk about sneaky fast. That's a guy who's sneaky fast. Did he cut you off at the end? You know that move? Yeah, I, I, I'm going to have to go back and watch the video, but I, I, it was like we were, we were stepping through like an area with a lot of chairs, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, um, it was almost like we were running through like a classroom, uh, and, and then Brian kind of, you know, made a move like kind of up and over, and, you know, it was, it was not, I don't think an offensive move like I don't think it was meant to deter me from getting there but it was certainly a power stride in the direction that he was intended in going in so I I give him a lot of credit I think former high school football standout from uh, Jefferson Township by the way Brian Costello so good to know all right well for those of you oh I'm sorry Jen I didn't mean to speak over you there I was just going to say, for those of you tuning in for the first time to the Week in Review podcast, this is pretty much it. Uh, (laughs) This show started as a chance for all of us to talk about our work and the things we've been writing that have been up at the website at the MMQB this week. We've gotten in the habit where we open the podcast by talking about what's been keeping us busy the week before. It started as, uh, I think it started as TV shows and movies or books. I remember when people used to read books. I don't know. I think at the beginning of quarantine, everyone was like, I'm reading so much more. And and then it became TVs and movies and other hobbies and puzzles and Legos and all kinds of things. But let's dive into that. Does anyone want to go first? On, well, Albert, we haven't heard from you in two weeks. What what's what have you been up to? What have, uh, do you have a, a hobby or a TV show or something you want to tell us about that you've been? Oh, we're starting with? with that this week. So do we flip the order of this? Isn't that usually at the end? No, at the end we do one good thing, but we start with uh, something you've been doing to stay. Okay, busy. so I would say, yeah, I started to watch. Um, God, I feel like it's like every week it's like a TV show with me, but um, yeah, I watched this. It's called Athlete A. Have you guys heard of that? I think it was yes. on Netflix, and like I'm halfway through it right now, and my God, is that thing frightening? Like the way that like, and it shows. How And for those who don't know, it's about USA Gymnastics. And for those who don't know, it sort of takes you through how, like, the institutional abuse started within the program and Larry Nasser and um, what's the Russian coach's name? I can't remember his name now. Uh, Vladimir Carole. Putin. Caroli? <laughs> yeah, Caroli. That's right. Uh, so, yeah, no, I mean, like, I thought it was a – it was a really – fascinating look at step by step how all of that happened so i would recommend it i'm halfway through it so i I haven't seen the end of it yet it's possible the second half isn't as good as the first half but the first half was really really good and just sort of like how creepy all of it was like how caroli's uh training ground was like at this ranch off in the middle of nowhere in texas and the the gymnast parents weren't allowed on the grounds it's just I, the whole thing, and maybe it's just because I haven't read up enough on it, but the whole thing was just really, really, I mean, it was well done, but really, really creepy. I, this is, I don't mean to uh, <laughs> abruptly change. So I was going to say, this is awful. There should have been a, a smoother transition, but I was going to say, Connor, you should know Putin uh, is not a gymnastics coach. He's, he's a judo coach. That's his sport. He's, oh, uh, he's yeah. big. Right? I actually I have a book on my bookshelf written by Vladimir Putin about judo, uh, like giving tips and training and things. So that's- How about uh, that? That's, yeah. What? <laughs> yeah, I, uh, maybe I'll pull that out at some point. Uh, if we get more- God, that's if, weird. If they cancel the <laughs> NFL season uh, and we have to look really hard for content, maybe I'll, I'll give a dramatic reading of his uh, book. I bought it a long time ago before, uh, before I, I know a lot more. I would, I would, I would not bought it a long for, time ago before all this dictator well, stuff. I, no, happened. no, I would not purchase the book now. I've said too much before we do. We really was Shelby, our producer, just delete everything that's been said so far on the podcast. Let's start over. No, let now we're going to change topics. I, my face is so red right now on the zoom. Uh, Jenny, let's move on to you. If you've got a, a movie or a TV show or some other thing that's been filling your time here. 
kind of an awkward transition because I did watch a movie and the movie that I watched was JFK, the film from 1991 or something, which is a lot of conspiracy theories involving um, other countries and involving our own government. And um, it was really eye-opening. I watched it because I had just finished reporting the Saints story and this JFK, the film takes place in New Orleans and I just was kind of wanted to like see some of the inner workings of the systems in place in New Orleans. Uh, I know that's not the focus of the movie, but it's certainly a part of it. You know, the only prosecution of anyone in the JFK um, involved with the, or pertaining to the JFK assassination occurred in New Orleans by Jim Garrison. And so uh, it was really interesting, and now I want to read more about various other theories, and I think Connor's my guy on this. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. Oh, <laughs> all right. Uh, so here's where we're going to start uh, with uh, the best book on uh, a Kennedy conspiracy theory, which I'm convinced is a novelized version of exactly what happened. Um, it's called Libra by Don DeLillo, who is probably my second favorite author of all time. Sometimes I will go to Borders and I will take it from the fiction section and throw it into the nonfiction section wow. to let everybody know that this is really what's going wow. on. Uh, uh, I, it was a recommendation first given to me uh, in a uh, ill-fated book club uh, started by Mark Sessler over at uh, NFL Network, who's a wonderful person um, and a big Don DeLillo fan. So Libra is like Oh That's my where God. I go. It's, yeah, right. it's it's it. Uh, I I have multiple copies to lend you. I'm very excited about this. So um, yeah, I, I could talk about that forever. Fantastic. You have multiple copies. This has been a weird week for learning about what's on everyone's bookshelf. <laughs> sure has. <laughs> Don't try to pivot this on me. Libra uh, is a normal book to own, not Vladimir Putin's judo <laughs> handbook. All right. Well, Connor, what have you been up to this week? Speaking of books. Um, I have been reading a book called North, uh, and it's, uh, hold on, the subtitle is Finding My Way on the Appalachian Trail, I believe, um, by the ultramarathon and distance runner Scott Jurek, and uh, really fascinating, you know, uh, ran like hundreds and hundreds of ultramarathons, super famous long in the long distance community and then one day uh, at 40 him and his wife were hiking the pacific coast trail and he said i'm stuck i'm uninspired uh let's outfit our van let's leave uh minnesota for two or seattle for two months and uh, i'm gonna set the land speed record i'm gonna run the entire appalachian trail backwards so starting in georgia and running all the way up the uh, appalachian trail through maine um, and essentially doing two marathons a day for 45 straight days, Oof, um, wow. which is absolutely Jeez. incredible. And uh, just to, um, so much perspective on, you know, uh, I think this is a time in our lives when you're in, in coronavirus and you're in the middle of things, you can identify with that feeling of being sort of stuck or, you know, just uninspired, whatever it is. And it's a really good read, not only because of that, but I think it's really cool that um, a lot of people met him along the way that were huge fans of his running helped their lives in some way, shape or form. And he would jog with them through long portions of, of the Appalachian trail. So cool guy, inspiring book so far. I would definitely uh, recommend it. I'm only like a hundred pages in, but I would definitely recommend it. Does everybody have a friend who can like rip off marathons? Yes. I have my, like, I have one friend who is like, like he was over last weekend. He, 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 he came over on father's day and, uh, he says, like, like, I'm like, oh, so, like, because Boston's canceled, you always run it. And so I'm like, oh, so, like, are you going to run the virtual? They're, they're going to have, like, some virtual version of it in September. He's like, yeah, I don't know. I'm like, so when was the last time you run? He's like, well, actually, because he's from Austin, Texas. He's like, actually, I just went, I just, you know, went down to Austin to go home and see my parents. And my buddy needed me to pace him in the marathon. So I just went out there and, and paced him. And there was no training, nothing. Just ripped off a marathon. And I'm like, oh, like, what did your buddy run? And it's like a half hour faster than like I ran it when I ran it. So he's wow. pacing this guy with no training, and he's still like a half hour faster than me. I think we all have a friend that can rip off marathons. Well, like, Bet, her name right? is can Bet, Bet Marston, and she ah. used to be an editor at the MMQB. So Bet, so Bet, like I didn't know if Bet could like rip them. There's a difference between. So I've run marathons, but I can't rip them off. Can Bet? Can Bet just rip? I know she's run them, but can she just like? There are certain people who can just rip them off without training. 
Well, I feel I, like she's always in a perpetual straight state of training, so probably, yeah. Probably, yeah. Yeah. I, I wasn't sure if she was at like she was that sort of marathoner cuz that's like a different level of marathoner, you know. Having recently secured the big bet follow on Strava, I can confirm that Beck can rip off a marathon. I <laughs> <laughs> had to earn a, that follow though. Yeah, I did. I did. Yeah. I have a friend from college who's running a marathon on every continent and he won a marathon in Antarctica. <laughs> It's this, uh, the program, all the people running the race, they like went down there together and it's just this crazy, it was a few years ago, so I forget a lot of the details, but they went down and they ran a marathon. He came in first place. They stayed and had like a giant party and it just sounded like the most fun thing ever and just an incredible story. And he's, I saw one of my, a guy I know ran the Antarctica, like I've been meaning to ask him like, cause he posts about it on Instagram. I've been meaning to ask him like. How the hell does that even work? <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, it just seems like it'd be difficult to pull that off going down there and doing that. Definitely. Yeah. All right. Well, Connor, I know you're a big Lifetime movie guy, right? This is true. You've said yeah. this before. I watched a Lifetime movie this week totally by accident. I was only kind of half paying attention to it. But it was a situation where uh, my wife put uh, Stepmom on TV. Uh which was on Lifetime, and then she left the room to go uh, do laundry or something, and Lifetime was just on, and I was looking at my phone, and Stepmom ended, and this movie came on called Beaches. I don't know if you're familiar. Adina Menzel is in it. Apparently, it's a remake from some older movie, but just a wild movie. Very much enjoyed half-paying attention and not totally following, but two two friends, Adina Menzel and her other friend, I don't know the name of the other actress, but they both like the same guy. The guy ends up sleeping with both of them. One of them gets married. There's, uh, you know, there's cheating, there's fighting, there's getting back together, there's death. You know, I don't want to spoil the whole thing in the sequence, but it it just hit all the high marks of what you want and just like a crazy, it just kept flying. It was like every scene, something crazy and dramatic happened. Nice little watch to uh, half watch while reading and scrolling through Twitter on my phone. I'm convinced that Lifetime follows sort of the, you know, James Patterson writes all the like 25 mystery novels a month um, and everything's formulaic with him where the chapters have to be only long enough to last between commercial breaks because he knows his audience well enough to say that they're probably just reading this while their soap operas, you know, not on or whatever it is. Um, But I feel like Lifetime is a television equivalent of that where like, 30 seconds can't go by without something totally effed up going on. Um, and it normally involves somebody getting uh, poisoned. There's a lot of poisoning uh, of late. Um, a lot of people getting hit in the head with heavy objects. Um, you know, so it's good. You know, it's always uh, it's always a good watch. You know, okay. I, I don't think I've never flipped to Lifetime and been disappointed. I'll Have you that. not seen this one then? Because we were watching it. And I said to my wife, I was like, I bet Connor's seen this. I'm, I'm going to bring it up unprompted on the podcast and see if he's seen this one. I'm uh, looking up the show page for it. So I think that this was like not a lifetime. I'm talking about Lifetime Originals. And this seems like a movie. We actually, that, we weren't sure. We were, that, that was, was not the a other Lifetime thing Original we that appeared out. on Lifetime. We were also uh, trying to figure, because Dina Menzel is a name. The other thing is her character is a singer, so it was like if you if you got her in the movie, you might as well have her singing in as many scenes as possible. That's why you that's why you go pony up to get Adina Menzel in your film. We were also wondering if this was Lifetime original, if this was a real. Actually, movie it is. They, it is. Is yeah. it? Yeah. There we go. Well, good. Put it on your list, Connor. You can uh, next time. <laughs> next time you see it, you're gonna know. Oh, that's the one that Mitch was talking about. And then it ended, Definitely. and then Stepmom immediately started again. So I was hoping to you know have a little bit of a marathon, but I wasn't gonna watch Stepmom twice. So. That's your choice. Yeah, well, it's like your book. I don't, you don't, you know, you have two copies of the same book. I don't need to watch the same movie twice, <laughs> uh, twice in one night. All right, should we get on with uh, with the show here and talk about some things that, uh, some actual football stuff, which we like to do sometimes on this podcast, uh, and some things that were written this week on the site. Albert, we can start with you. You wrote a lot this week about the quarterback coaching summit. Mm-hmm. Um, in a few of your columns, do you want to first tell us what it is and uh, yeah. tell us what you wrote about how it went this week? Sure. Well, this is the third year they've done it. Um, the first year was the Black College Hall of Fame um, that started it. The NFL jumped on board, and they've sort of um, you know run it together the last two years. And um, yeah, the idea has been that um, there isn't just a dearth of black head coaches at the major college um, and NFL levels. There's also um, a little problem getting um, 
getting guys on what I think is considered probably, I think we can all agree on this, the fast track to becoming a head coach, which is quarterback coach, offensive coordinator, slash play caller, and then you become a head coach. And so this thing was really aimed at kind of highlighting some guys um, that, uh, that, that are in those roles that are African-American, and then also you know allowing for younger guys to come in and learn from some speakers. And so I sat in on the whole thing on Monday. I sat in on part of it on Tuesday. Um, and yeah, I mean, I thought considering the circumstances, especially where all this is done over the computer and there are challenges to that, as we've all learned over the last few months, um, I thought they did a really good job, you know, and, um, you know, having, uh, having, you know, Mike Vrabel was the first speaker and I thought Vrabel brought up a great point, which was, you know, he wants, you know, all kinds of diversity on his staff, um, because he thinks that that's the only way that you can reach every player on your team. Um, and so he wants people from all different backgrounds, all different regions of the country, um, you know, all of that on his staff so he can find a way to reach every single player on a person-to-person basis um, you know, on his team. And then, you know, then, then Robert Sala came in and he kind of took you through his entire career and the lessons that he'd learned. And then I thought it was also interesting how they brought in some guys who, um, you know, I, I think probably NFL people have less awareness of to come and speak. And the one that really kind of stuck out to me was the Clemson offensive coordinator, Tony Elliott, um, who, you know, was linked to the Cowboys job for a short time last year. And I thought he was really impressive speaking too. Um, and that just, and his, uh, his presentation wasn't NFL specific at all. Um, you know, he talked about recruiting, but I think just having owners on that call and having them, you know, able to see him kind of present for the room was probably a good thing because it got him some exposure um, you know, at the NFL level. And then I think having the owners present too was really great. And, um, you know, two things really stuck out to me, if, uh, you know, among the things that the owners said. First, I, I thought it was interesting how, um, you know, Art Rooney came in and he tied together the three coaches that they've had since 1969 and Chuck Noll, Bill Cowher, and Mike Tomlin. And, you know, he said the one thing that kind of ties the three of them together is that they're all great communicators and that's the number one thing that they look for. And I don't know that like a lot of people kind of I don't know that a lot of people you know point to that when we're looking for head coaches, but he said that that was the number one quality that um, that they look for, and then just sort of playing right into that, um, you know, during one of the forums, which is hosted by you know buddy of mine, I buddy with you, and I know you guys know him too, Steve Weish, uh, you know, John Mara, the owner of the Giants, said just played right into that and said like I've fallen into the trap of going for the hot coordinator before. And now what I look for is a CEO and my head coach. And so I thought it was really great in that it presented a lot of the younger candidates who NFL people might be less aware of. It gave um, people, you know, some NFL coaches to learn from. And then it also sort of explained to the younger coaches on the call and maybe some of the guys that might be on the precipice of becoming head coaches from the owners themselves, like, hey, here's what we're looking for. And so I thought from all of those standpoints, it was good. The one thing that I, I, it has come up that I think is a little troubling is that there were 10 NFL teams that weren't on there. And I talked to Rod Graves about that yesterday. And, you know, the word he used for it was inexcusable because this wasn't like flying to Atlanta. Like I believe it was in Atlanta last year. This wasn't like you had to get on a plane and go and do it. You know, all you had to do wherever you are, you could be on vacation somewhere. All you had to do was log on to the computer and watch for a few hours. And so, um, you know, Rod Graves, who's the you know former Cardinals GM and uh, now the, the, the chairman of the uh, Fritz Pollard Alliance, you know, said that, you know, called it inexcusable that there were 10 teams that weren't on there. But I thought all in all, as far as how it was put together, I thought it was really, really well done. And it was cool just from a media person's perspective to be able to sit in on something like that. Yeah, and I think what you said about the teams that didn't participate really – brings home like the central question here is like the league can take all of these initiatives and they can make sure resources are available and try to encourage teams through whatever rules they may have in place you know expanding the Rooney rule or introducing other measures but it ultimately comes down to the owners making decisions and that's why I think it was so troubling that nearly a third of the league didn't participate because like you said Albert it's super easy to log on to a webinar and it also it's like a sense of um 
you know, it's just kind of a brazenness, I think, that you couldn't learn anything from this. Like maybe that you your network doesn't need to expand, right? Like to, to not value something like this, to not value attendance of something like yeah. this, I think speaks to the underlying problems that we have in hiring, that owners don't think that they're, they need to have a broader net. They don't think they need to expand their criteria or that there's candidates outside of their immediate network that are worth considering. And that, I think, is the thing that will take the longest to change. Yeah, I thought it was interesting, too, Jenny, to that point. Like, Mara said, like, we always keep lists. And we have them, you know, we like, like even if even even though we may not need a coach, we like I always have lists in my desk drawer. And I thought that was interesting, too, which sort of plays into your point, which is even if you've got a really successful head coach, you keep lists. And then Ozzie Newsom actually echoed that point. So that's sort of how, you know, he came to John Harbaugh, who, I mean, it seems like, like, it's hard to remember this now because of all the success they've had, but that was an under the radar hire. Like, that was like, whoa, they're hiring a special teams coach. And it was only after back then they'd struck out on Jason Garrett. And so, you know, I think that like, you know, like just the idea that like, all right, like teams should be keeping lists and it's not just head coaches. It's, coordinators it's position coaches all these people you'd be interested in and they're giving you this forum where they're making people available to you and you don't take it just seems and, and forget about anything else like it just seems backwards in general like before you even get to the part about discussing like how that could improve diversity i was gonna say that too i mean nfl teams are so paranoid about information and protecting their own and also just love talking about the lengths that they go to to get info they'll like coaches will be like oh we watched all of his high school tape we went all the way back and we studied this and we had our team look at that and you've got coaches share you know you've got coaches talking about how they build a staff and you've got even college guys talking about recruiting and so not that they're giving away state secrets and truly confidential stuff but you'd think if teams are opening themselves up and talking on panels and sharing their experiences you'd think just the way nfl franchises are run they would want to hoard as much information as they can just to have it and see what your just from a competitive edge standpoint see what your opponents around the league are doing uh, setting aside that obviously a lot of teams have a lot to gain on the diversity front and getting to know some of these new up and coming candidates and having those networking opportunities. It's just surprising any teams would just not have a single person on their right. staff sit in and, and, and gather some information. Yeah, and like I said, it's one thing to have to get on a plane and go somewhere, but this wasn't even that. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for. Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English, and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. 
Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, well, Connor, you uh, are continuing your off-season tour where a few times now we're just sending you around the league to pick out a player on every single team. And for your piece this week, you picked out the most underrated player on every team's roster. Now, some people uh, have not seen the whole list yet because this podcast is coming out on Friday and we're publishing your 16 AFC players on Friday. Actually, spoiler alert, 17 AFC players oh. on Friday because you had a double in there. And then 16 NFC players are coming out on Saturday. So if you're listening to this right when it drops, you may not have seen the entire list yet. But, uh, <laughs> Connor, we sh- we're not going to have you run through every single player because that's a, a little bit much uh, for our Time frame, but I, I guess, is there anyone that surprised you or something that you learned just because I know you went through every roster pretty carefully to look at, uh, to look for somebody and tried not to just pick the most obvious name in a lot of places. So is there anything that you learned or found interesting when you went through each team for this exercise? Yeah, I mean, I think it's always worthwhile to uh, to be able to do this. I mean, you refresh your uh, your memory on a lot of things, and you know what surprised me is really uh, as an Eagles fan, Mitch, you would uh, I, I think uh, take solace in the fact that I think that Dallas Goddard is becoming a little bit of a budding star in the NFL. Uh, I don't think he's quite there yet, but I think that as the tight end group matures together, um, I think that there's going to be uh, some really phenomenal sort of interplay there, and just. Um, you know, in general, I think how valuable some players are um, outside of their position norms. Um, you know, we talked about Auden Tate on a video that I think is going to accompany um, the piece uh, with uh, Ma- Madeline Burke from from Sports Illustrated, and um, just you know, being able to see um, his blocking stats, for example, and you know, a big physical receiver with a fifty percent catch rate, you don't think is that valuable, but when you're throwing a lot of you know screen passes to the boundary or whatever, and he's there manhandling co- cornerbacks, you know, over time, how much that adds to a given play, you know, whether it's just point one or point two yards. A, a catch over the course of a season can really um, uh, can really come out and uh, and bear out some significant numbers. So I think that was the really fun part of this is looking at a lot of these guys who um, just don't get the um, don't get the the nod or don't get the uh, the credit as much but definitely deserve it. Dallas Goddard in the news this week too. Poor Dallas Goddard. Yeah. yeah. Yikes. Um, Connor I was gonna say I, I like the way you did it and that you didn't just pick someone out and go on gut feel. I thought you did a good job backing up a lot of your choices with numbers. And a lot of these blurbs had numbers like, you know, uh, you talked about James White, and it was it's not just like his rushing stats, but it's even just acknowledging the fact that you know when he's in, the Patriots are likely to pass. And you talk about, uh, you know, average yards gained when such and such player is on the field compared to his... Uh, you know, the other guy in the backfield there who uh, who people associate with the running game on certain teams and uh, catch percentages and defensive players, uh, you know, uh, passing stats uh, against them or with them on and off the field. I just thought you did a really good job backing up a lot of your choices with numbers. So uh, not, not that that's a surprise coming from you, but uh, I wanted to give you a kudos on that there, Connor. You know who my favorite player on the list was that I regrettably did not know a lot about, but uh, got to learn a lot about uh, throughout this process? Is it Patrick Ricard? <laughs> no, Patrick Ricard was cool, though. Best I, just, I figured you, you player. knew a lot about him, but I yeah. did like his write-up. Yeah, yeah. Um, was uh, Folorunzu Fadukasi from the New York Jets, budding star. <laughs> I think as a nose tackle, former sixth round pick, um, and then got to go back to. Uh, I didn't realize how robust the Adam Gase show is, by the way, on YouTube. Like the Jets show that they do with Adam Gase, like really, he really, he really goes through like seriously the entire game. It's like a twelve minute show on YouTube, and like they talk about everything. And while it's on the coach in the coach's best interest, if you're I guess coaching a losing team, to say look at how many players are actually playing better than you think they are blah 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 um i would say that i was very impressed with um you know just his willingness to get into stuff and uh like me adam gase very high in fuller runzu fadukasi 
So I gotta give I gotta give uh, Connor credit for pulling off that pronunciation too. Oh, I I don't know if it's right, and if I I if it's wrong, <laughs> I I really apo- I dearly apologize to oh, Full Runzo and the family. Yeah, sounded great. I, I will say your inflection as you excitedly said his name was a little John Gruden esque. Oh. <laughs> God, <laughs> oh, what, what was it? San, Sansenbacher. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Is he, what, like, what's Connor's version of the Gruden Grinder? Is there a nickname for point. players Connor likes? Grindor. Grindor, oh. yeah. God, that was predictable. I walked right yeah. in. <laughs> All right, Connor, so if I had to ask you, who is the most underrated player in the NFL? You picked out one on every team. Let's consider them finalists and make you give out an award to someone now I'm putting you on the spot. I see your face. P- pick out the most underrated player in the NFL. Who is it? Let me give you one in each conference. Uh, so I would say that in the AFC, it's still, and this is going to be a cop out because he did make a Pro Bowl in 2017. But Deion Jones from the Falcons is ridiculously underrated. I think he should have been a Pro Bowler every year, especially last year. Um, three out of his four seasons with 100-plus tackles. He's active in the blitz game. Um, and his opposing um, completion percentage for quarterbacks is, like, among the best in football. And he's targeted a lot. You know, he gets 60 targets a season and allows less than 60% completion rate. Like, I, I think that's amazing, um, you know, given how much challenge he's going to have week in and week out. Um, and I would say that um, in the – well – I don't know why I did this, but that was the NFC. I'm sorry. Obviously, the Falcons are in the NFC. The AFC is Juan Thornhill, who was a lot of fun to watch. Um, I think Tyran Matthew obviously runs the show there, but to see how much um, he kind of stepped into a defense, uh, Steve Spagnuolo's defense, notoriously nightmarish to learn for safeties especially, and to do that really early on in your career and to be as active and versatile as he was, I think was really impressive. I don't think they would have been as good against the pass um, last year, especially without old Juan Thornhill. Good. I I like that you said Thornhill because the intro, you know, your intros are often sarcastic. I think you used the the phrase lay people. And I think you, you said, oh, you lay people. You just think about the quarterbacks and the stars. And, you know, there are a lot of people out there who just think Patrick Mahomes won the Super Bowl by himself. Maybe, you know, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, some of his weapons, but no, Juan Thornhill, you can't win the Super Bowl without a guy like him. So I'm glad you, you brought him up as the top guy in the AFC. How, uh, how much time do I have left on my, uh, on my Halcyon Days ban, by the way? Uh, I think <laughs> September, no, November. Oh. I don't remember. Yeah, we, we did. You're, you could use lay people again. That was fine. Uh, I'll let you know when you're overdoing people. it a phrase. But yeah, uh, Connor is, uh, for those who don't follow the two of us on Twitter, you may have missed the conversation, but Connor is banned from using the phrase halcyon days. I put him in timeout for six months because he used it like three times in a week and a half on the site. And so we, we couldn't, we couldn't have it anymore. It's a sure. good phrase, but you overdid it. <laughs> Understandable. Yeah. <laughs> what about salad days? <laughs> yeah, sure. Mitch. What about salad days? <laughs> you can you can use the phrase salad days. That's Thanks, cool. Jenny. Whoa. Always, Jenny always has my back. <laughs> All right. Should we do uh, one good thing real quick and then head on out of here? Let's do it. All right, Jenny. You look like you're excited to start. So. For uh, for those who know, now she's looking into space. Well, to you know, I don't have a great one, but this- I I did I got my car out of the garage for the first time it since january actually um i just i drove to a, a beach you know i did a, a friend and i kind of sat six feet apart um but uh mm-hmm. i hadn't driven the car in that long and i was nervous to see what was there because it sits in this basement garage and in the past i had brought my car in for routine service and they told me that it appeared like a rodent was making a nest um in part of the car and had chewed through the air filter which apparently is actually not super rare in new york our former editor mark maravik had some other kind of rodent chewed through the fuel delivery line and that was far worse because he couldn't even start the car so a couple years ago i just had to replace the air filter so i'm driving my car and it's saturday and it's warm and the ac is not coming out and i'm like all right well it just takes a while to kick in right you know it'll it'll kick in and then as the drive goes about 45 minute drive and i'm starting to panic like oh no is there a rodent nest in the car so all day it's kind of on my mind i even like pulled up the hood to see if like i could see the beginnings of any kind of rodent nest not that i even know where like the 
air conditioner, like the, where the fluid goes or what the connection line is. I don't even know where I was looking for a nest. I just was nervous. And then on the drive home, the AC just started working again. So hey, I guess oh. that's my good thing. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, the good thing really is that you didn't just have a bunch of rodents pop out at you when you open the hood, which right. Yeah. Did you like, you must've like stood, do you stand back? Like when you open the hood and like, <laughs> no, I didn't. I probably should have, but I was definitely yeah. like, I just was expecting a nest. Well, good. That is that is genuinely a good thing. I'm yeah. uh, I'm happy for you that your AC is working and that you didn't get attacked by any rodents. Thank you, Mitch. <laughs> All right, Albert. How about you? One good thing from this week? Yeah, like completing my transition to suburban dad. I um I got a tule rack this week, and um I didn't realize how complicated that would be and how hard it would be, but. You know, because we have a third kid now, um, you know, for our, when we go away on our vacation, we need storage in the car. And with uh, with two kids, you could use the back of the car, but you know, when you have when you have the third kid, then it complicates things. So I knew we'd have to get a toolie rack. I sort of put it off, and it literally took me all week to try to figure out. Okay, I need these bars in the car, and I need to go get this installed, and then I need this and this and this. And uh, long story short. I finally got everything done, and the Thule rack's on top of our Tahoe now and all set for vacation. So that'd be my one good thing. All right. Congratulations. You're a model suburban father of three. <laughs> yeah. Cut <laughs> it down. I actually saw you tweeted something about this, and I didn't know what it was, so I clicked on the... the and the, their Twitter feed is, like, woefully inadequate. The Twitter, is the it Twitter really? feed, like, they barely tweeted, and it didn't even say what, that it was a bicycle rack. It's not a bike rack oh. though. It's like a. It's. I called it a tule rack, but it's a. It's not a bike rack. It's like this. I'm sure you've seen them before. They're those like boxes that are on top of the car. Oh, okay, got it. So it's just it's just extra storage. Oh, is all okay, it is. okay. Yeah, I think they also make bicycle racks, but they, but 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 what we needed, we just needed more cargo. Okay. So, and believe me, for a pl- this this is. These things are outrageously expensive for for what like it's just really a plastic box. Gotcha. Yeah. Jenny, I saw that tweet too, and I thought he was just riding a high on the recent shoe situation and thought uh, by tagging them he might get a free mm. uh, storage, whatever thing. I'm not, that wasn't my motivation to do it, Mitch, but I did. Well, I, when I tweeted it out, it was sort of out of frustration. But then when I tagged it, I will say that I did have that thought. Maybe somebody will reach yeah. out. Feeling froggy. Mm-hmm. Didn't happen. Mm-hmm. It's uh, nice to have half a million followers on Twitter sometimes, <laughs> mm-hmm. I guess. You get a free pair of shoes out of it. Mm. Connor smirking hard, not enjoying this, uh, not nope. enjoying these jokes at all. Mm. Connor, how about you? One good thing from the week. One good thing I would say is that, um, you know, it's been a weekly thing, um, but ever since the coronavirus started, like right at the beginning, um, one of my best friends, um, wives really pushed us, um, we, you know, my the five best men in my wedding, my best friends from high school, um, and really pushed us to stay active and, and talk to each other. And every week um, now for however long we've been in the pandemic, um, I think we're what 112 or 13 or 14 days in now but once a week every week um, we still make time uh, to uh, visit with each other check in we have like a zoom call and you know one of my friends lives in Boulder another one of my friends is a geologist who's out on assignment right now in Idaho uh, one of them is a musician in Nashville one of them is a soccer coach in Philadelphia and it's you know it's incredible to see like not only the wonderful people they've become but the fact that like everybody can still make time um, and, you know, and, and be there for each other. And I think that like, you know, it's one of those stupid things where you brush it off when you, uh, people suggest that you do that at the beginning of the coronavirus. But I think that everybody, um, needs that, you know, I think you need to, uh, just have those unconscious, you know, laughy, stupid conversations once a week. And so I think that's my one good thing is that I can't believe we've kept it going now, um, this long and everybody's still, uh, jacked up and excited to talk to one another. So. Nice. Yeah, I had one of those with my, my college friends. And so one of my buddies became a firefighter. And uh, one, it was one of my fraternity brothers. And uh, he actually came to us from like, dur- like the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, the firehouse closed, right? For one reason or another, they wouldn't let them keep it open. And they put the fire department in a brand new Y. So they had like like this did like the like all the firefighters basically had like the full run of an entire YMCA. 
the basketball courts, the pool, the gym. And he was like, this is the greatest thing ever. And so, yeah. That's awesome. Those, that, that, <laughs> yeah. So that's where those calls took me this uh, over the last few weeks. A friend who's a geologist got out to this remote town in Idaho. And uh, not only were they very, uh, like, a very, like, uh, less than 500 people live there. And not only were, was the whole town kind of very uneasy about a New Yorker coming out there uh, in the epicenter of coronavirus, you know. And, and they were like, well, who's this person, you know, that's going to come out here and get the whole town sick? But he had to get tested a bunch of times, and, and he was thankfully okay. But um, living in a, uh, a government, like an abandoned government building. So that's where his house is. Like, it's like a, it was like the former director of parks and recreations just office and they just threw a bed in there and they said you live here now and if you if he opens his window it's main street like it's just wow. like, it's like the one gas station and restaurant and he's right there in the action so i, th- I thought that was pretty cool you you learn that everybody's got some pretty uh pretty crazy stuff going on but pretty neat stuff i thought you were gonna say he met andy benoit in idaho oh <laughs> i miss andy what's uh, hello andy just want to say hello to you. <laughs> we All definitely our former miss colleagues you. Getting shout outs here. And Connor, we have to ask, I got so many tweets about this. All week, everyone wanted an update on your caterpillar larvae. <laughs> I just had, I had hundreds of people asking, but how, how, are, how are those bugs doing in your house? They're getting very big. And um, here's the thing about caterpillar larvae. Um, uh, what you have, you put them in basically what you get uh, ketchup in from a restaurant, like those little one ounce plastic uh, containers. But in between the lid and the top of the container, you have to put a piece of tissue paper um, for the caterpillars. And what we've learned is that some of the caterpillars, in an effort to replicate the wild, have chewed through the tissue paper, um, like in search of a place to create their cocoon. But that's not good because uh, they need the tissue paper. So we have to replace the tissue paper. So it's been a lot of maintenance, you know, making sure. Uh, I think we have like 33 of them left. Um, we started with like 70 of them and gave a lot of them away to other families with um, with little kids who are bored during the coronavirus. But, yeah, so it's been uh, it's been a lot of maintenance, um, you know, with a dog and a, and a baby already. Uh, you know, it's not not exactly something I would have signed up for willingly, but I'm uh, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm I'm excited about the challenge. So. The gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> yeah. The look they, on Albert's face when you started telling that story after he missed last week's oh no, episode. My dog He's came, like, what is, my, what is happening? My dog actually came in the room. So ah, that was, there we yeah. go. Well, Connor, I expect an update on these caterpillars on the, M, on the MMQB Instagram feed, which you've been doing a great job with the last few months. Please post an update I really there. need to go back and listen to last week's episode. Huh? <laughs> All right. Yes. Well, what? Yeah, well, uh, maybe not. I can't remember. Um, one good thing for me, I will say uh, this weekend was Father's Day, the past weekend, and happy Father's Day to both of our dads on the podcast. Um, but that was definitely nice. Um, I, uh, My Father's Day, we started in the morning. We did a, a Zoom with my family, with my parents and my brothers and everyone. And then we actually went out to New Jersey, and it was also my wife's grandfather's 90th birthday this weekend. So after we did virtual Father's Day with my family, we went out and we saw my wife's uh, parents and grandparents and aunt and uncle, and we got together in um, basically in a uh, shopping center that has like a grass area next to a parking lot, and everyone brought chairs, and we had a... uh, a safe, socially distant 90th birthday, uh, which was with like balloons and cupcakes and everything. And that was very nice to, uh, to see, you know, family and, and all be together and, uh, be able to celebrate with both families, but also see some people in person and celebrate a 90th birthday. Um, which, you know, a month, two months ago, we thought might not have been possible. And, and that was a, a really nice thing and, and a highlight of the week. Oh, very that's cool. great, Mitch. That's awesome, Mitch. All right. Um, anyone? Uh, anyone else have anything they want to share about their weeks before we head out and let everyone, let our listeners go enjoy the rest of their weekends? <laughs> I just want to say that we were told this might be the last episode we're recording with Mitch wearing his beard. So let's make sure to give it a shout out in case it is. Yeah. It it might R. be. I. Yeah. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if the listeners hear any difference in my voice when my face is no longer <laughs> surrounded by so much hair. It's just so hot outside. I, I It was great in the spring, but now that we've hit the summer, if this if the timing of the pandemic had been shifted six months and it was winter right now, I'd keep it going. I don't know if I can do this much longer, though. You're making the biggest mistake of your life. 
<laughs> we shall see. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Connor, Jenny, and Albert for joining. Thanks to our producer, Shelby Royston. As always, you can subscribe to the MMQB NFL podcast in iTunes or any podcast platform wherever you listen. You'll get our shows five days a week, including this Week in Review podcast on Fridays. While you're there, make sure you subscribe to get the episodes and leave us a rating and a review. Let us know what you like about the podcast and uh, stick to what you like about it. Uh, Positive praise only. That's what we like to see in our iTunes reviews. Uh, Thanks, everyone. Hope you all have a great week, and we'll do this again next week. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.